not usually this busy, so it's kind of crazy that it all kind of hit on this one week and uh, um, we uh, got a lot going on. But I'd like to real quickly introduce our speaker for this evening. Jeff Anderson is the executive director with Convoy of Hope. Uh, he's been a pastor for 24 years. He's, he's going to introduce, I'm sure, his wife and his daughter who are also here with us. They were youth pastors in, in uh, Colorado. Now they live in Ozark, Missouri, uh, which... Uh, being from Kansas City and being in going to school in Springfield, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. You chose the wrong place to live. <laughs> I'm just, I love Colorado, and I know thing. you guys do too, and I'm teasing you, of course, <laughs> and I've been to Ozark many, many a times, usually on the way to Lambert's. There you go. Um, That's yes, right. And getting three of, if you don't know what Lambert's is, Google it. Um, you have to go at least once. Awesome. Um, but uh, Jeff is here, and we're so excited about the things he's going to share. So, Jeff, if you Thank can you. come. We're just excited about what God has placed on your heart. Thank Thanks you, sir. Thanks for being here. This is Jeff Anderson. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Hey, I love your pastor. Good morning, Broomfield Assembly. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Thank you for your leadership, uh, your love, Pastor Aaron and Emily, who I have yet to meet, and their son, and, pastor, and John leading us in worship, and the team. So uh, we're honored to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I am especially blessed to see not only people that were in my youth group back in the day a hundred years ago, uh, but also um, it's, it's a real honor to have my wife and my youngest daughter with me traveling, uh, my wife Mary and my youngest daughter Annika who are right here, so, and Pastor Aaron already mentioned that. So we're spending about five days in Colorado, uh, just the President's Weekend, Mary speaking for a women's event, of course uh, me being here, and we were able to hit the mountain on Friday and it has been a long time since these bones have been rattled so hard on a ski slope, but that's what happened. We used to do ski days all the time with our youth group, and we did youth pastor in Arvada, as Pastor mentioned. So I just am so thankful. Uh, listen, this church over the years has been an incredible partner in missions and compassion. And so I want to say thank you right out of the gate for not only your prayer time, but an investment financially in Convoy. So today, some of the stories that I share with you, they're your stories. Um, they're kind of a kingdom stockholder report, if you will, of, of the finances, of the prayers, of the partnership, the goodwill that we have experienced over the years. And so the stories of life change, the story of people being helped, also people receiving Christ as their Savior, receiving eternal hope. How I many of you know that's probably the ultimate justice in the world is not just giving a cup of cold water or a hot meal in Jesus' name. And we do that every day, 200,000 times in 14 nations. Every day we feed uh, in third world nations. But how many of you know uh, you, can still, you can have a full belly and still be on your way to eternal destruction? So we want to tell people about Jesus. Amen? It's good. So God blesses the church. And I'm so thankful for just the emphasis singing Jesus. I travel, I'm in a different church every single week, and um, I'm so thankful to be in a church that's singing about the person and work of Jesus. That's what I felt during the worship time. You know, I didn't know any of the songs. Well, yeah, I knew two of the songs. I'm not that old. But there were a couple of new songs, maybe one that was written uh, recently. But I just want to say thank you to a church who not only decides to bless people, but place the priority of reaching the lost and being a healthy believer in Jesus Christ. As you know, um, people aren't just standing in line uh, to say, hey, I want to serve Jesus. Our land needs a move of God. And I believe you're going to have one, and you are 
experiencing one here in Broomfield. So I'm so thankful today. Here's a quick video just to kind of set the stage for the work of Convoy of Hope. Uh, Convoy of Hope is simply this, Jesus with skin on. It's Matthew 25. When we go into a city across America, we've served in 1,300 cities with disasters uh, in America. We've done outreaches all over the U.S. and, of course, globally now. But we show up with practical help, food, water, and supplies to help people in their time of need. We partner exclusively with the local church. Uh, That is our partner in the earth. When we deploy, we always have a church what we call a point of distribution, the, po- the touch point in a city, so believers come out and volunteer with the work that we're doing. So people think, wow, Convoy is awesome. You guys are just everywhere all the time. It's not true. Because God's got people everywhere in the earth, so when there's a need, we partner with that church. And then when we roll out of town, how many of you know the church is there to stay, to keep pointing people to Jesus? And that is the goal, is to lift up the local church Uh, And they're the hero in the story. So we're just so thankful today to be here. Here's a video that we produced. It's just simply an overview of all of the work that we do in the world. Hope you enjoy it. A lot of people think that the problem today is food, water, poverty. But it's really hopelessness. That's the biggest issue in the world today, is hopelessness. As followers of Jesus Christ, uh, we ask a very important question. What is it that Jesus wants done? In partnership with people all over the world, what we're endeavoring to do is to transfer hope. disaster strike, it is an amazing moment for the local church. When other people are fleeing, other people are leaving, uh, the local church is running to a disaster, running right into the middle of it. We want that community to look at the local church and say, when our community was hit hard, that church stepped up. And in the name of Jesus, they responded. They helped people. Soy mamá Me siento bien porque son personas que, que tienen buen corazón y vienen a ayudar a las personas que, que hemos perdido todo. The noise, the noise is very, very scary. Oh, the tree fell down behind me. The lights went out on Thursday and buying grocery and everything just perished. And no ice, you know, everything just gone. It's been a roller coaster, especially when you have all the medical issues that I have. I haven't had to come and help me um, 
you know, every day, but she can't come. Amen. And we give God the glory for um, all of those people being helped. And you saw all the volunteers that were in there. Those are local churches and Christians just deploying people that believe in our mission. So we just thank God. Because of God's favor and your partnership, we've served in 118 countries, 3,067 U.S. cities. I was wrong earlier. I was thinking internationally. We've responded to 378 disasters. Uh, We're 25 years old this month. And... um, We've been amazed because because of partners and people around the world, we have seen nearly 400,000 people make first-time decisions to follow Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for that. And that's something to shout about, as the worship leader was saying. That's something to thank God for. Why? That's, that's 400,000 people that are no longer in darkness but have come into the light because of somebody showing compassion and kindness to them. We've trained 20,000 farmers Nearly 10,000 women have graduated from our women's empowerment program through training and jobs and programs that are sustainable missions where they receive Christ-centered education and then they receive just a grant to start a business so they could not only put money in their pockets but feed their families in a lot of these developing nations. So we're just so thankful for that today. Here's a couple of pictures on the screen behind me, you'll see some, some of the disaster areas. That's Puerto Rico. Uh, we're serving, we've made a long-haul commitment in Puerto Rico, working with uh, nearly 90 churches and 78 communities. Uh, served there through the Hurricane Harvey, Irma, and Maria season, which was brutal, as you remember, just nearly a year ago. Next slide, you can see uh, some of the damage. I apologize, these pictures are dark, man, so nothing I can do about it. But that's just devastation, and that's more Puerto Rico pictures. The next slide is... Uh, California fires, we responded to Redding and Paradise, California. As many of you know, Paradise, California, almost burned to the ground. Almost maybe 10 to 15% of the structures are still standing. One large uh, reform church that we've partnered with. So we're there. Right now, we are doing a load a week of bottled water, uh, bringing it up from our Fresno warehouse and serving the city of Paradise. Uh, Devastated, as you can see, but they're on the rebuild. Next slide, you can see... Um, more pictures. That's the sun. That's full daylight of the sun there. Next slide, you can see uh, sifting when we went back through a neighborhood and helped people just gather some of their belongings. And uh, one family actually had to fly out to sift their son and daughter-in-law and granddaughter's house who perished in the fire. And they had to grab some of the belongings that would mean something to them. They got back on an airplane and flew back to Ohio. 
And so it was, it really is devastating. Not just the physical property, but the loss of lives, of course. That's something that we really can't um, connect with all the time. So this next slide you can see, and I apologize for turning my back on you. That's a devastated house in Puerto Rico. Took a direct hit from Hurricane Maria. Now the next slide is the brother that owns that house. His name is Jorge Fernandez. Jorge, uh, when we were doing some door-to-door witnessing and prayer in this neighborhood that had been been hit, we were delivering water, luminades, which are solar-powered lamps, bags of food. He came out and he saw my shirt, said Convoy of Hope, and just wrapped me up in the biggest Puerto Rican spine-crushing hug you could receive. And as you can see, he's a little bit bigger than me. And he just like gave me a hug and he sat back, sat me back down on the ground and he goes, do you work for Convoy of Hope? Convoy de Esperanza? I said, yes, I do. And he goes, thank God for Convoy of Hope. And I said, tell me your story. And he said, the first week after the hurricane, he said, you guys brought food, water, and supplies to our home and you did it for nearly six months. And I said, he said, thank you. And I said, you know what? It's the churches all over America that partner with us. And he goes, well, you thank the churches in America for me then. And I said, yes, sir, I will. Then he goes back in his house. This was the fun part. Got his Warriors hat on. Been a Warriors fan since the team existed and started. And we did a little selfie together because he's a hardcore uh, Golden State Warriors fan. And I see I'm not getting any response from you on that, so I'm just going to keep moving along. Your nuggets are hot. That's all I got to say. I don't know if anybody else. Yeah, the nuggets are I can't believe it. I'm, I'm just used to the nuggets losing. The whole time I lived here, it was like the Broncos were hot. The nuggets were like, yeah. We had the Nuggets. And then I leave and you get a great hockey team and they win the Stanley Cup in the first year. It really irritates me, you know, that I didn't get to experience that. A few more pictures, we'll get in. This next slide, uh, you can see a Chinese proverb. It says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a month, get married. I know that's not true, but this is a con. I'm making this into context here for what I'm about to say. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help others. Some of the greatest moves of God in the earth began with prayer and people thinking of ways to serve their communities where God planted them in. Those are two things in common. Fervent prayer, obviously good teaching of the Word. And by the way, I've listened to a few of your pastor's messages, and I just want to say you are blessed. He is a gifted communicator, and I'm so thankful. I listened to last Sunday's message, listened to it this week. It was kind of like my devotional time and just hearing. This church is preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Watch out, because the more you do that, the more your city is going to realize, hey, there is a presence of God in Broomfield and the surrounding area that's undeniable. And you can't quench it. Amen? It's the most powerful name in the world and in the earth. So I just want to say, helping others, focusing on others. God is stretching and growing convoy. I know He's doing the same in your life. And it's amazing that we serve a missionary God. He sent Christ to our world because we needed a Savior. But guess what? He's still sending people. He's still sending people to offices and campuses and places where we live and work and eat and breathe. Why? To be a representation of the love and life of Jesus Christ. So people would know who He is. So people would know what He can do in their life. I love this. Some of these stories uh, that really belong to this church, Broomfield Assembly. You've given, you've partnered. Here's the story of a lady. This next slide. Uh, these are some of the kids in our feeding program in Haiti. 
Uh, we were just there not long ago, and this is a particular orphanage that uh, is very... It's not the most Christian orphanage. We don't partner with just Christian schools. and orphans. We have a lot of public schools, almost 980 program centers in the earth that we supply food and, and, and water purification. And these kids all stood, because if you can imagine where I took this picture, I'm standing up against the wall with eight pastors uh, that I brought over for a vision trip, and they all stood and they just prayed loud prayers. So they made sure we could hear it. And they're like, God, thank you for this food. And thank you for Convoy of Hope. And the little dude right in the middle was peeking at me the whole time. You can't see his fingers, but he was just looking at me. Because they're so grateful. Why? The food not only helps them not be hungry, but brings nutrition and life to them, but they can focus on education, spiritual development in all of our schools now, uh, where we are able to give a Bible in the language, in that language of, of that school and that nation, where they're able to open up God's Word. And these are public schools. Nicaragua, many of you know, is communist. We, we do a lot of work in Nicaragua, and the government is fully in step with the mission of Convoy of Hope. We've, we've seen God do some miracles in that nation. We've seen God do miracles around the world because His kingdom is coming and His will needs to be done. This next slide, real simple. This is Angelica. Sorry you can't see your face, but uh, this is in El Salvador. We just did an outreach at a school of 500 kids. It's Friday afternoon. We send every mom or dad, whoever picks up that child, a bag of food. In that bag, on her head, is beans, rice, canned meat, some cooking oil, a few power bars, and plum organics. That sustains them for the weekend. Why? They don't have school on Saturday and Sunday. Angelica came up to me, and it's probably the game changer, because the week I went to El Salvador, I was thinking, God, I don't think I can keep doing this at Convoy of Hope. It's just, I'd rather be doing something else. I'm not sure. It just wasn't scratching the itch, and I didn't quite get where God was placing me, and I was struggling my first couple years with Convoy. And uh, she comes up to me, and she said, thank you for the food. And I said, you're so welcome. She said, you don't understand. This weekend, I do not have to choose who doesn't get to eat in my home. Think about that. She has five kids, and three of them get to eat because they have limited supplies in their home. Food insecurity is devastating to a nation, but to a home, to Angelica's home. And she was so happy. She said, everybody gets to eat this weekend. She goes, my husband's going to buy a chicken. She said, we're going to eat meat, too. And I'm like, that's awesome. And that's, a, that's an over-the-top blessing for this family to eat a, have a chicken for the weekend. Next slide. You can see some of these stories. That's the garbage dump. People pick through garbage. About 2,000 people live there. This next slide is a picture of the school that we serve right at the garbage dump in uh, Managua, just outside of Managua in Sandino. Next slide, you can see uh, water, more water purification systems. Next slide, you guys are doing awesome. I just want to get through these quick. More kids in Haiti. Same kids, in fact. It's the same slide. Um, this is Elena. Elena was raised at the garbage dump, lived there 10 years, and uh, she broke away from her family when she was 11 and a half, got pregnant, had her first child when she was 12, second when she was 14, third when she was 16, and fourth when she was 18. She lived on the streets. She was trafficked. She actually tied her babies to her legs when she lived on the streets of Managua so the, the human traffickers would not steal her children. One day she heard about Convoy's Women's Empowerment. A friend told her, said, you've got to come check this out. They feed you. There's, they're, they're teaching you how to do a business. You need. And she showed up. 
and she was, she was rough, man. She showed up and she learned some skills. She learned how to take care of her babies. She learned to trade. Today, you're looking at the Director of Women's Empowerment for the nation of Nicaragua. And when she walks in the room, and there's a room full of mamas and babies, you can hear a pin drop. Because she has a story of Jesus changing her life. Why? Because somebody took some time to show some compassion and kindness and introduced her to Christ. And she's, she's full of fire. In fact, how do you get 10 pastors on a bus to cry? Put Elena on the bus. Because she has a story to tell. And it's a great story. Next slide. And uh, for Samuel, this is her life verse as she shared with me. She said, Jeff, you share my story. He lifts the poor from the dust, the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes and places them in seats of honor. And that's Elena's story. I'm not sure how many other pictures we have. Keep going. Just show you some of the women's empowerment program. As I shared with you, we're developing that in six different nations. Next slide, you can see uh, some of the kids at some of the schools. These are some of the kids that we serve and feed. This little guy happens to have the same name as me. His name is Jeffrey, and he just wigged out when he knew my name was Jeff, and so he was my Klingon the entire day. He did not leave my side, and so I just kept feeding him candy. And the teachers hate us at this school because uh, we brought about five pounds of suckers. Next slide. Uh, more of the kids. This is Honduras. Uh, some of the beautiful kids in Honduras just eating. They're like your kids and my kids. Next slide. More kids just receiving good, nutritious food. And uh, next slide. Thank you, guys. These are kids in El Salvador. Back to El Salvador. Next slide. Uh, some of our farmers. This is in Nicaragua at our dragon fruit farm. There we have about uh, 100 farmers there. Uh, this is the high, high country of Guatemala where they're farming on these hillsides. Treacherous work, never seen a farm implement. Everything is done by hand and they grow delicious food in this country. But it is backbreaking, painstaking work to grow the food. So we supplement a lot of these farms. Next slide. Mark Buntain said this, an empty stomach has no ears. What does that mean? Well, when you give someone dignity... You show them the love and life of Jesus, this through a hot meal or a cup of cold water, or helping them in something. And so how many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you have had somebody do something kind for you? Yeah, pretty much. How many of you like doing kind and good things for others? You like helping other people. That's awesome. More hands went up to actually be the helper than to be the helpee, the one that receives the help. But how many of you know there's times in our life when we really need... And in keeping with your pastor's series, this hello, my name is Jesus, I love that, the title, and I love what, what you've heard the last couple of Sundays, because who Jesus really is, he loves people, and he wants a relationship with mankind, with his creation. And so, looking at the different aspects of Jesus, who he is and what he has done, this is a snapshot or a story about Jesus, Mark chapter 8, verse 14. Here's the story. It's an adventure with his disciples. They're on a boat. It would be a car ride for you and I today, maybe a church van, 12 of us, 13, 14 of us, and they're traveling together, and they're in the boat, and Mark 8, verse 14 says, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. Now, mind you, they had just, Jesus had just finished doing a couple of miracles that supernaturally multiplied some fish and loaves. So here's the story. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Wait a second. It says the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. And then the next sentence says they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. 
Sometimes we forget what Jesus can do with very little. And the disciples had forgotten that. They're doubting. They're looking at the, the circumstances. They're not looking at the God who is bigger. As, your, as the worship leader said, God who is bigger. Anything you place in front of him, God's still bigger. So, it says, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And as they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread, Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes you can't see, you have ears you can't hear, you, do you, don't you remember anything at all? I love Jesus just putting it on the table and just saying it the way it is. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets left over did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And then I fed 4,000 with seven loaves. How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Back up. In the, in the Bible, yeast is the metaphor for pride and arrogance. Why? Well, when you put yeast in dough, what does it do? It just puffs up. Very little yeast uh, helps that loaf expand. Too much, it blows up. When you're cooking, you don't need a lot of yeast. In fact, uh, you don't pour a cup of yeast in, you need a pinch. And just like yeast, you don't have to have a lot of pride and arrogance before it takes over. It blinds you of who you are, and it blinds you of who God is. And you're trapped. And that's why the Word says pride comes before a fall. It can happen personally. I've seen it happen corporately in groups. I've seen it happen in churches where we're just so prideful and stiff-necked and arrogant and we just want it our way. And God says sometimes, you know, you're going to sow, you're going to reap what you sow. But how many of you know this is a daily thing? We all do this. I do this. When you're filled with pride, you blow things out of proportion. All of a sudden, things, little things get you really upset. Whenever that happens, you know you're dealing with pride. Whenever you find conflict anywhere in the world, pride is usually, and I'll say always, involved. Somebody doesn't want to budge. So, three truths from this passage. Number one, who is in the boat is more important than what is in the boats. How does this relate to the work of Convoy of Hope? We don't, we don't go anywhere without the presence of Jesus going before us and with us. We're hands and feet of Christ extended. We work with missionaries and churches all over the world. But who is in the boat is more important than what is in the boat. When you have Jesus, you have everything, right? You have the most important things. And, and really, he knows that we need food. He knows that we need things, clothing, stuff. He knows we need finances. He knows our needs. The Bible says he knows our needs before we even ask him to provide for our needs. But he is saying, I can make right everything that is wrong in your life, in your world. He takes care of the interior of our life. I love going to churches that have a super emphasis on doing something vertical, of putting your eyes on Jesus. Why? I can't tell you how many times I've gone to churches, and it's like I've learned probably different worship styles and service. Every church has their own DNA, and that's great. But I just have purpose to say, I am worshiping Jesus with the people of God. I don't care if I know the songs. 
I don't care what color the carpet is. I just don't care why. God has people everywhere. And God wants you to worship in spirit and in truth. He wants you to put your eyes on Him. He wants you to know how much He loves Him. He wants you to align your life with Him. So my question is, is Jesus in your boat? Is He in your life? Is He in your marriage? Is He in your family? Is He in your church? Is He in your conversation? If not, He can be. The disciples forgot who was in the boat. They were looking at their circumstances. And they were saying, hey, we're out of food. But, oh yeah, we forgot. We have, the, we have Jesus with us who can just, you know, take a little bit and boom, make a feast and feed thousands of people. I think sometimes we forget what God has done for us. Too, what he did for others, he wants to do for you. Sometimes you, we look around and we compare our lives. We compare our relationships, our status. We compare churches. This is deadly across the country where, where I go any size church, every, every place that I can go to speak. And sometimes we forget that what he did for others, he wants to do for us. He referenced two stories Jesus did when he fed 5,000 with five loaves, two fish. He fed 4,000 with seven loaves. And I want to challenge you today to do something. Friday, Annika and I were skiing uh, up at Granby, and it was a lot of fun. It's been a long time. And uh, she got a helmet and goggles, and I, I passed on the helmet because I thought, you know, my head's been hit enough. Uh, so I don't know. But I did get these big goggles. And uh, the goggles, you know, help you not be snow blind. It was snowing, really sunny. They were polarized. They were really nice. They kind of came with the rental. And um, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about that to say, you know, every day as the people of God, you need to pop your God goggles on so you can see what he's doing in the world. How do you do that? You just, you're intentional about living for Jesus. Thinking about, hey God, I know what you've done in the past. I read the book of Acts, I get frustrated. Because I don't see the book of Acts a lot. But it's there, and it's the blueprint for his church. And I want to experience God working in my time, in my life, in my world. And I want to experience him working in your life and the people that I meet. To encourage them to lift them up, to help them, to leave a good word in their life. Well, there was a man whose life was thoroughly miserable. His days were cloudy, nights were long. He didn't want to be unhappy, but he was. And so with the passing of years, his life had changed. Kids were grown. Uh, his neighborhood was different. He was unhappy. So he went to his pastor and he said, Hey, pastor, have I committed some sin? And the wise young pastor said, Absolutely, you've sinned. Well, what might that sin be, he asked. Ignorance, the pastor said. One of your neighbors is the Messiah in disguise. So the old man left the office stunned. One of his neighbors is the Messiah. He said, hmm, who might that be? Is it Tim, the, the guy at the grocery store? No, he's too lazy. Is it Mary, my cousin down the street? No, she's got too much pride. Is it uh, the paper boy? No, he's too indulgent. The man was confounded. Every person he knew had defects and was imperfect. But one was the Messiah. He began to look for him. He began to notice things he hadn't seen before. The grocer at the corner always had a smile for the kids. Could it be him? The young couple who lived next door, how kind they were. Could one of them be the Messiah? With time, he saw things he had never seen before. And with time, his outlook changed. 
The bounce returned to his step. His eyes took on a sparkle. When others spoke, he actually listened. After all, he might be listening to the Messiah. When anyone asked for help, he responded. After all, he might be helping the Messiah. Change was so obvious, someone asked, what happened? Why are you so happy now? I don't know, he said. All I know is things changed when I started looking for God. And things change when you start looking for God. Things change when you start being the hands and feet of Christ. He saw Jesus because he didn't know what he looked like. The people in Jesus' day missed him. And he was right in front of them. They forgot. Well, Matthew 25, 40, it says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, you were doing it to me. How do we treat one another with Christ-likeness and respect? That's so important for the church to advance. Who is in the boat is more important than what's in the boat. What he did for others, he wants to do for you. And fin- third and final, he usually does the most with the least. This is what's cool about God. So uh, I got saved when I was 18 years old. I'm thankful for two high school students who shared the love and life of Jesus with me at Pinot Valley High School. Um, I was the Creekside regular, just the the kid who always smoked his lunch uh, from 9, 10, and 11th grade. I got thrown out of high school in 11th grade, came back, finished my senior year. These two dudes were still there, solid Baptist brothers, Troy and Darren. And they said, Anderson, God's got a plan for your life. He loves you. He's going to save you someday. And I'm like, I don't think so. Graduated from high school July of my graduating year. Uh, Two months after I graduated, I had a radical encounter with Jesus. And my life has never been the same. Went to a little church in the northeast San Francisco Bay. And that's where I learned how to live and and walk with Jesus. So why do you say he usually does the most with the least? Because you read all through scripture. From the disciples to feeding massive crowds. Remember Jesus is God. He came in the flesh. And he's Satan's worst nightmare. And you become the enemy's worst nightmare when you just say, God, every day I yield to you and say yes to your plan. You can't grow tomorrow. You can grow today. You can say yes to the Lord today. And that's what we do. We see God take a very little ministry called Convoy of Hope 25 years ago, and he's grown it steadily, slowly, surely in 25 years. We started in Concord, California in the back of a pickup truck with groceries from Safeway. And God has given us a fleet of trucks to deliver hope in Jesus' name. Why? And that's not to boast. It's to say because people are responding to compassion and kindness. One act of compassion and kindness toward others is uh, you, you have no idea what kind of mark you will make in that person's life. Well, here's a picture of a family that means a lot to me. This is the family taken in 1969. He's a pastor he and his wife, they have four kids. You can't see the family dog on her lap. Maybe you can. And uh, summer of 1969, mom and dad were on their way to an uh, evening service. And they weren't taking the kids to that service. I'm not sure exactly what it was. It might have been a church business meeting. I don't know. And the babysitter didn't show up. So they piled everybody in the car and took off. And the pastor looked in the rearview mirror just in time to see the babysitter around the corner. He threw it in reverse, went back, dumped off all four kids. Babysitter's there. Good, we'll see you later. A couple hours, we're home. And on the way to church, they were hit head-on by a drunk driver 
in the wrong lane, 80-some miles an hour, and instantly killed the pastor dad on the left. The mom was in the hospital for months. They pinned her body back together. She was unconscious for weeks and weeks and weeks in a coma. The deacons, elders, law enforcement began like a flash mob to show up at their home. And they knocked on the door and the babysitter answered the door. And they said, we want to report to you that your dad is in heaven. And we don't, your mom's clinging to life. We're not sure if she's going to make it. These four little kids, their tra- the trajectory of their life changed forever that day. They lost their dad. People uh, began to show up and show kindness and compassion. But one law enforcement officer stood on the porch and said, are there any family members or friends here who will take responsibility for these children tonight? Otherwise, we'll have to take them downtown to the station. Long pause. And one man raised his hand. His name is Bill Davis. Bill and Leveda had three children of their own, and this is where they took them to, a single wide trailer. So they added four kids that night, so nine people, and when um, Mrs. Donaldson was well, she came to live in this trailer for nearly a year. Ten people living in a single wide trailer. People showed up with groceries. They took the boys shoe shopping. The men, and especially Bill, began to speak into the lives of the three boys and Susan, the girl, to say, God's going to use this. God's going to use this. We love you. You have a purpose. God has a plan. All the kids grew up. Fast forward. They grow up and at different stages of life they feel like God's going to do something great with their life and they came together and they went back to the neighborhood in the back of a pickup truck and they began to knock on doors and just said thank you for helping us in our time of need. Felt so good they did it again. Convoy of Hope was birthed and that little boy sitting in the middle is this guy. He's the president and founder of Convoy of Hope, Hal Donaldson. Who is in the boat is more important than what's in the boat. God wants to keep working in your life today. What he did for others, he wants to do for you. And so I love what my pastor says. He said, no matter what you have done, you are never outside the reach of God's love. And a lot of times we miss that. And at Convoy of Hope, that's what we go. We go in the name of Jesus hopefully full of the love of Jesus, to show the kindness and compassion of Christ. You know what's pretty cool? Convoy was started because somebody showed kindness to some kids in their time of need. And look what God has done. He has just taken us around the world. Well, I want to, I'm not exactly sure, I think it's ending time, but I've got one more story, and you're going to love it. This is the story of Michael from an outreach where your pastor spent a few years at CBC. We were at the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, that illustrious place. And you are right, Pastor. Truth hurts. Um, I did choose the wrong city every time I come back here. So just don't rub it in, man. You know what it's like. Hey, Ozark's kind of growing on us. So... And so there's only one thing worse than being lost. I don't know if you've ever been lost. I've been lost in the woods and lost driving often. But there's one thing worse than being lost. It's being lost with nobody looking for you. This is the story of Michael, who was released from the Greene County Jail. He's been in and out of prison because of drugs and alcohol. And I thought you would enjoy his story because the act of kindness and knowing that Jesus is still pursuing people is part of his story. So I hope you enjoy it. I'll end with that.
I've been struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction for pretty much since I can remember. Early 11, 12 years old. Um, just got out of a long stint in Greene County Jail. So I just prayed to God that uh, today would be a different day, man, when I woke up. I, I, I just I came up here uh, really looking for support of for my addictions. And uh, a miracle happened today, really. Uh, I, I walked up to a lady to ask her if she knew anybody in the community that could help me. And she said, I know somebody who can help you. Come meet my friend John. He got to telling me his story. And when he got to telling me his story, I just shared my story with him. he put his last name on the application it's not a very a very common name and I remembered his brother messaging me from Hawaii and so I just wanted to read this to you it says my brother got off with a lighter sentence on his way to prison now if it, I don't know if he'll ever follow through with Christ but he tells my mom he found Christ in prison and now he's changed for the good He's going to a halfway house in Missouri. I pray one day you could meet him and he could hear your story. And then I said, I would love to do that. Maybe we could make it happen. And then God brought him right next to me. To, to me. When my brother lives in Hawaii, I haven't had a, a close relationship with my brother in 20 years almost. This is like the, the, the way that I know miracles are possible, man, because when I walked up to him, I, I didn't even know that my brother had done that. And... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just a little overwhelmed. It's, it, to me, it's just proof that God is great, man, and that through him anything's possible. Amen. Let me pray for you and your pastor and the worship team are coming. Jim Palmer says, telling people that God loves them is good theology, but showing people that you love them is what transforms the world. Father God, thank you for Broomfield Assembly. Thank you for Pastor Aaron, his leadership, the, the leadership team of this church, every person that calls this their church home. I just pray blessing and life, health, growth. God, that as they focus on you, as they serve you, Jesus, that you will not only grow their faith, but Lord, you will make this church a blessing to this city and this region. God, thank you for the partnership. Thank you for the heart of this church in times past to just to say yes to what we're doing around the world. And Lord, we're, we're so privileged to be the hands and feet of Jesus extended on behalf of this fellowship. So Lord, thank you for how good you are. Thank you that you're in our boat. Thank you that what you've done for others you want to do for us. And Lord... Continue to serve the world through us, those who hurt, those who are needy, those who are poor, those who suffer, those who are without Christ. God, make us salt and light as we go. In Jesus' name.